So obviously, um, we couldn't get to the uh, the track this week, but mm. for sure next week. I've got some time. You've got some time. Yeah. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get, get it done it. next yeah. week. Uh, what's up, everyone? Welcome to Dipped in Tone, episode five. Five. Already. Crazy. Super My crazy. God. Uh, yeah. Well, first of all, uh, a few, a few shout outs and thanks. We're almost at a thousand subscribers on YouTube. We hit it today. Oh, we did? We, we hit it. Well, so, I'll be dipped in shit. That's amazing. Go. Yeah. I, wow. uh, I, I updated my phone and they changed where to take a screenshot. So it literally took me like all morning to figure out how to screen cap it, <laughs> but I do have a picture of it. So I'll <laughs> share it. Zach's more of an analog technology kind of guy. Yeah. You know? Yeah. He's need, an analog man in a digital world. It needs a button or a switch that obviously is <laughs> is labeled. I can't figure it out. Anyway, thank you guys so much for the support this early on. Um, it's been really incredible. We've had a, a blast doing this. So thank you for subscribing. Uh, and don't forget now, officially, we're everywhere fine podcasts are downloaded. So that's iTunes, Spotify, all that stuff, right? Yeah, I... I um... I need to double check. I thought I put it to Google, but if not, I'll do it this week. Okay. Well, we'll do that when we do the track this week. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get it. We'll get it all done. Uh, and we're adding one new feature. Uh, it's not happening this week, but it'll be happening next week. And I, I have to give credit where credit is due. I stole this idea from the Tone Control podcast. Um, I, I got to be a guest on their show last week. So shout out to... Uh, tone control. If you like this show, you're going to like that show. So go show them some love. But um, what they do is they have a discord server for their podcast and, you know, they chat and, and do things in between shows and everything. Uh, but what was really cool is while they were recording the show, they had a private voice chat room open um, for a few of their supporters so you could listen into the show in real time and like make comments and you know we'll read comments on the show and questions and things like that so i think what we're going to do is uh, on my discord there's a retchall discord server um one of my mods made a group a room for the dipped in tone podcast we're going to add a voice channel to that and for our patreon supporters you guys are going to be able to uh join in and listen while we're recording the show and comment and do all kinds of stuff. You won't be able to talk. <laughs> You'll be muted because that would be a total shit show. Oh my God, it sounds um, like a subway train. Yeah, but you'll be able to tune in and listen. We usually record on Friday mornings, Eastern time, um, Thursday or Friday mornings, Eastern time. So uh, yeah, and you guys can sign up for Patreon down below. I think it's mm -hmm. what, two bucks a month? Yeah, that's the the only tier right now. It's just $2. Which is, yeah, we're really raking in the cash. Yeah, we're oh man, we're we're well on our way to paying for our our mortgage and everything. <laughs> this is my retirement plan, dude. <laughs> we can, we can barely get a coffee a week. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, no, in in all reality, the goal is to um, grow the Patreon just to you know support the the show to get to the point where we can hire an editor to do all this stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and just, you know, do that kind of stuff. And you guys are helping us out with that. So thank yeah. you to the Patreon supporters that have already jumped on. You guys are legends. It's, so I think that's it for housekeeping. I think so, too. I think uh, <laughs> I hear my dog. Is that your, your dog? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but yeah, that's that's it. So what's going on uh, for you right now, man? Um, Not a whole lot this week to report, you know. Just, just working on some videos. It was one of those weeks where... I put out a video on Sunday and I like getting something big done early on in the week because then it makes me feel like, great, this is going to be a good week. I'm ahead of the, the curve here. I'm on the ball. Um, and then I really fell behind. So Monday we like went and looked at a bunch of houses, didn't find anything we liked, uh, and then just got caught up and caught up. So just finished my second video for the week. It's uploaded now and I'm actually going to finish uploading it after we record this mm. Friday morning. It's the Strymon Night Sky. Review. Oh yeah! Did did you figure out how to use that thing? I did. Um, and actually, so well, by the time this goes up, my video will be out. So yeah, the review basically is, I really like it. It's not a pedal that I would use every day. It's not a pedal that I would put on a pedal board personally, um, because I'm not exactly the target demographic for that pedal. I think I right. think it's for someone who's into sound design and 
and interesting tones. And I think it's an amazing tool for people who are film scoring um, or, or doing any kind of uh, production work like that, which requires really unique soundscapes and things like that. It's amazing. But for guys like you and I, it's, it's a little overkill. Man, I don't, I don't actually have anything that kind of is, is that <laughs> as far as like a creative tool, it like lives in that, that realm. Right. Because every time I get something like that, I think, oh, this is neat, but I can't find a use for it. Like <laughs> in the day to day as I play guitar. And for me, I, I just kind of get rid of those things. But though, like, I, I feel like I should dive into that a little bit more so I could have some things to get the creative juices flowing because it is super helpful to, to get out of your box and not just like throw another overdrive on your pedal board. Oh yeah. Yeah. I've been a big fan of like the, um, uh, the hologram, uh, infinite jets. Yeah. Like that kind of thing. It's so wild, but as an inspiration machine, it's really cool. Like it'll, it'll do sounds that nothing else will do. Same thing with like the Chase Bliss Mood. Right. We should do an episode on on these kind of pedals. These like kind I, of just out there. Creative. I've never even played any of them, so you'll have to like, take the lead. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Like, I I don't understand. So I I made an Instagram post about the mood this week, and um, I don't understand it. But I'm not exactly sure you're supposed to understand it. Like, I'm not. Right. I'm not entirely sure that's a pedal that you like approach with hey this is the sound exact sound i have in my head and i'm gonna i'm gonna approach this pedal and dial it in i think it's more of like okay cool let's see what happens now when i do this you know right and and that's kind of what the night sky is too a little bit yeah i you know as a creative tool i i think it's it's super useful but for me like those things tend to really kind of like they just I can't, I can't, if I can't figure it out really quickly, I just think this is silly. And in in a lot of instances, like some of the things that, you know, that a lot of pedals can do, not, not so much like the infinite jets, but maybe something like the blooper or things like that, which are cool ideas. I feel like I could just do crappy loops on like my computer, you know? And it's one of the, the go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, but I think the point of the looper or the blooper is like, and I've never played one, but from what I've seen, like Paul Davids is a big fan of it. Jason Isbell actually has been using it a lot. Have you seen that on his Instagram? No. Which of all people, I would not have pegged him, but he uses it and he gets some really interesting. It's not like a, you know, a, a jam man looper kind right. of thing. Yeah. You know, it's it's something completely different. Um, you watch? You ever watch that channel, Knobs? the the demo channel now yeah i know that it's basically his signature thing right yeah i i'm too much of a millennial boomer i think to <laughs> like get because like i i i remember years ago now i would ask on like facebook and instagram mostly facebook like whose demos do you like this is before you know i kind of like carved my own niche in the pedal market and everyone was like, knobs, knobs. I'm like, who is knobs? Mm-hmm. And so I YouTubed him and uh, it's like, what is, what is going on? Like, why are there action figures on the screen? Like, I don't really, it's not, it's not my thing. Like, I love all. it, man. I love it. And he, he got in touch a few months ago. Um, he sent out a book, like he, he did the, the pedal crush book. Have you seen that? Yeah. Yeah. So he was instrumental, I think, in, in putting that book together. Um, and we just, we just chatted for a minute over email, but I've, I've watched his stuff for years because from a production value standpoint, like you have to understand I'm a nerd for like visuals and color grading and the shots. And so I watched knobs videos half just to see like what he's doing and the, the text that he's using and the, it's just brilliant to me. There's also another uh, channel out there, um, called red means recording and, He's more of a like an EDM producer. Mm. He's a guy out in Seattle, but uh, for years he was doing like the OP one videos. You you do you ever see that teenage engineering OP one yes. synth? Yes. Yeah, I really want one, but they stopped making them now, and so they've gone through the roof. Yeah. Uh, Price wise, Rick has one. 
that just sits around, just sits on a shelf. And so I'm thinking about just, just going it. down there and just swiping it. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I buy it from it. But anyway, so yeah, Red, Red Means Recording has been doing these incredible videos. Same kind of idea, right? Like camera directly over on the table. But I love that stuff. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Like, so many people ask me, like, what guitar stuff do you watch? And really, like, I don't watch that much guitar stuff. I mean, I'll, I'll watch anderton's and that pedal show and i mean your channel of course and um i watch rick's channel and a few other things but not like all the time normally I, when i'm on youtube i'm watching tested or oh tested yes. you know it's totally different but how many hours have have we both wasted together watching adam savage's one day builds oh countless <laughs> like more than a day's worth um, I have a total man crush on Adam Savage. Oh, I have his book. I bought his signed a signed copy of his book. It's over here. It's on a music stand. And I really want to send him when I do another the updated version of this for this um Halloween. I want to send him one of these. Yeah. <laughs> because I can't focus. I think he would really uh appreciate this because I mean for those that that are listening, uh I made a pedal called the Positron Collider, which is essentially uh, a big muff, but decked out in Ghostbusters art. And like little things about it, like the uh, the big gain knob is actually the same knob that's on the trap in Ghostbusters 2. So I'm like, it's super just silly. But yeah. I want to, I like, I think I could find people that know those people and send it mm -hmm. one. That's, that's on my to-do list later this year. That's the thing I've learned being in this industry, like around the music industry and stuff. You are really only a couple of steps away from pretty much anyone in like the film world or the, yeah. the production world or whatever, because a lot of those people are also musicians or guitar players or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So you ever think about that? You ever think about like, man, I wonder who owns people that I, that, uh, who own a mythos pedal that I would be like really just surprised oh no i the, i have a few friends um i have a friend that works at nickelodeon and he's he says anytime you're in you know california you come and we'll do a tour of nickelodeon i have another guy that works at pixar oh, and my God. i i've sent pedals to people that do film scores and and scores for tv and so it's it's pretty it's it's humbling uh the number of people that i've met who have done things that I really respect you yeah. know, that are totally outside the guitar community. So. Yeah. So, uh, so what's new with you this week? Well, you know, um, you text me about it and I think it's about time I come clean. Um, I'm going to open a law firm <laughs> and, uh, finally step into the shoes that I have bought for myself. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, the uh, blues lawyer. The, the blues lawyer guitar has has shown its face. There it is. Uh, yeah, I. So for those that don't follow me on Instagram, I uh, recently it was last weekend, I guess. Yeah. I uh, traded my '54 reissue Les Paul for a PRS DGT that has has uh, shaken my guitar world a bit because I'm absolutely enamored by this guitar um i don't i i i've played prs's over the years i had a vela one of the mm -hmm. um, the s2 ones which is a really cool guitar it's way different you know but i've never owned like a core model and you know as as nutty as prs the man is and um as much of a as much shade that gets thrown at them they do know how to make a good guitar they absolutely um, do and this one is just, um, man, it's a 2012 and it's just the most basic gold DGT, but what a guitar, man. I'm not crazy about the pickups. Mm -hmm. uh, there's some quirky things with the wiring, like the top volume knob is the bridge and this is the, the neck volume. Um, but from just a playability standpoint, I, 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 I'm, absolutely in love with it so yeah i'm not gonna lie <clears throat> when you texted me and said you got a prs my initial reaction was like oh. <laughs> it's just that no, it was just no. 
Oh, man. But then you sent me a picture of it, and I went, oh. Yeah. I always forget how great the PRS body shape looks in gold. Oh, my gosh. I mean, here here's the thing. I can't I can't really do the... Um, I call them the lawyer top. And look, I know right. there's people out there that are probably listening to me right now and like screaming at their computer screen. I, as a continuation of our discussion last week, this is all personal preference, right? It's awesome. Yes. But to me, the thing that not just PRS does, but like Gibson and Nags and all these companies do where you get like the most 3D flamey quilted maple top and then you slather it in some like bright green or purple <laughs> stain or something like that or you do this weird burst where it's like uh <laughs> tilly always says remember the wildberry pop tarts you know the purple <laughs> pop tarts with the blue <laughs> yeah yeah it, th those they're like wildberry pop tart guitars <laughs> um so to me that's that's the part of prs that like just i look at them every time i go to righteous and i see the wall of all those it's like oh man you know these I, lawyers abound it's but it, i've never played a dgt and I've always heard that, like, that's the one for, like, if you're a player, if you're a working guy, like, that's the working man's PRS, you know? Right. Well, it has, like, basically, like, a big, uh, the McCarty neck, which is a traditional kind of, like, not, it's, you know, it's beefy, but it's not unmanageable. But it has mm -hmm. 6,100 fret wire, so jumbo frets. Um, and then, like, the body is basically like a McCarty, which is a slightly thicker. Yeah. I think it's slightly thicker than like a, um, a custom, custom 24. 24. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, dude, I don't know. It's just really like everything about it's really smart. And I will say that there are some flamey PRS guitars that I do like, but, um, the ones that I like are kind of in the, the more traditional finishes. Like I really like the Santana yellow. Yeah. Um, I'm not like I'm not opposed to some of the the green like the one that was the the Super Eagle that John Mayer had like I I don't know I I don't hate it. Well, solid and I should I should say too I I have a PRS. You do, and oh. I do have a soft spot for PRS. So I have a custom twenty two. I don't know if I've uh, ever sorry, seen no, that. Sorry, sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, Jesus Christ. I have a CE twenty two. Oh, okay. very different than a custom twenty two. The CE twenty two from two thousand eight. And that guitar holds a lot of sentimental value to me because it was, um, it's the guitar that got me through music school. When I started AIM 10 years ago, 10 plus years ago, I didn't have a good electric. I had like this Taylor sort of, it was the T5, you know, so it was like a bad electric and a bad acoustic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the first day of school I went in and we had to play this in this performance class and I went up and plugged this thing into a Marshall <laughs> Uh, a Jace, oh no, it was a vintage modern. Remember the vintage modern? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not not their best work, um, but they had a they had a vintage modern half stack, and I plugged this T five, this big hollow thin line T five into this thing, and it just went, <laughs> and I couldn't I couldn't play a note, like not not even a single note would come out. I couldn't play it, so I had to have something, and there was a used 2008 CE twenty two at Guitar Center. Um, and I bought it and that guitar is what, that's what I started gigging on. That's what I played every day, hours and hours and hours a day at music school. So I, I do have a special spot in my heart for, for the PRS thing. And you know, it's funny. Like I was, I was, I was a hater. I really was like a PRS hater. Um, you know, I, for years, uh, and, and I, I come around before I got this, um, guitar but i thought they were kind of soulless and like didn't have a yep. vibe but the more i played them like i kind of like working at carter a lot came through because there's a lot of country dudes and people in nashville that play you know prs guitars uh i started to realize like oh these things are like very well made and very resonant and they they feel good i'm not a huge fan of the pickups i think the pickups uh for most of the ones that i've played have just never really tickled me you know so, well, the good news is they're just humbuckers. You can swap them out. Oh, I've already got another set ordered for this. <laughs> so I, yeah, I, I agree. I think I've had kind of the same thing, the same view of PRS for a long time. It's like, oh, they're just sort of soulless. They're sort of, you know, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, and then I met, I met Paul last year. Mm. 
uh, quirky guy, but very, very nice. Yeah. Um, and get, when I look at guys like Tim Pierce, for example, you know, or David Grissom, the DGT, yeah. right? There, there's a list of, there's a, there's several players that like swear by the PRS thing that I really respect and look up to and, and think, think about like, you know, oh, well, if, uh, if Tim Pierce is playing him, I mean, obviously he's got a deal with PRS. I think he's, there's right. some kind of obligation there to play the stuff, but still, um, I, I do appreciate the PRS approach to guitar building, which yeah. is, um, yeah, the fifties and sixties were like a golden era for guitar making, but we, we can do better. Yeah. You know, yeah. I think that's sort of the PRS way. We can do it better now. Did, um, uh, I don't know if you saw this a few, that was probably close to a year ago or six months ago. I don't know. Uh, Emerald City Guitar in Seattle, they mm-hmm. had one of Paul's, it was, I think it was a 57 or a 58. It was still a gold top, Les Paul. And he was, I don't know if it was him that sent it to the store or someone had it after him, but there was a letter with the guitar from Paul that said, I'm selling this guitar because we make guitars that sound and feel just as good now. And I was like, damn, like shots <laughs> fired, you know? And I I will say, one of the things that really turned me around was Tim's, Tim Pierce's video where he had a real burst and yep. then a single cutter, or maybe it was one of the double cut McCarty's with the mm-hmm. new TCI pickups. Yep. And I'll be damned if it didn't sound almost the same. You know? I, I saw that video too and had the same kind of thought where... I was genuinely surprised. I was like, oh, yeah, that's... Uh, maybe we should link that video in the description box. Yeah, yeah, I will, um, I will. But, because it was him, and, and who else was there with him? I can't remember. It was another LA session guy. I can't, I can't remember either. But, yeah, they were they were A, being a late 50s Les Paul mm-hmm. and a modern PRS with their new pickups. And that was the thing, you know, I went to this PRS event last year. It's where I met uh, Paul. And I heard him talk. And that is where, um, I, I sort of, it's like, I got, got a little bit, you know, I went to the PRS event and I heard <laughs> Paul talk and do kind of his sales pitch thing. And I yeah. was like, oh wow, I get it. Uh, but, but looking back on it, he, he made a couple of points that I actually found really fascinating and thought were true. And, and specifically about the pickups, he was talking about Hendrix and the Strat. I think he had a silver sky or something he was playing. And he was like, you know, you think about wind cries, Mary. And Paul said that that's probably one of the best clean guitar tones ever recorded. And I I would yeah. agree. Wind Cries Mary is my favorite Jimi Hendrix song. Um, I love the sound on that. That was recorded in 68 or 69. Some, I guess you can correct me later. But yeah, it was with a, a brand new sort of off-the-shelf CBS right. Strat with brand new pickups at the time going through essentially a brand new Marshall amp or whatever yeah. he happened to be playing. Like the point is that, you know, we have all this fascination with the vintage gear of, of it sounding better. And, and, but the recordings that we reference of being, you know, sort of the, the benchmark for great tones, like they were using brand new, just off the shelf fenders and Gibsons or whatever they have to be playing at the time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I think, there's a there's a case to be made for that. Sure, he he Paul was the first guy because he for like a while on YouTube he was doing like a pretty guerrilla uh, style YouTube videos where he was just talking about like concepts, and he held up a piece of rosewood and knocked it with his finger and he said, you know, these have a sound and I he was like, this is this is the wood they make marimbas and like xylophones or you know mm-hmm. uh, things out of. And I was like, I had never thought of that, like how crucial, like the tonality of the wood and how it has to be, it has to have a character before you can even turn it into something. And that's like a whole argument in and of itself uh, about tone wood. But, but yeah, anyway, I just, I think, uh, I, I'm, I'm probably going to get another one one day, <laughs> another PRS. So. All right. So then my next question is what type of law are you going to be practicing? I, uh, well, Personal I think, injury. I think copyright. We'll go into copyright. Copyright. Yeah. Okay. I, I guess I, I guess copyright law is pretty lucrative. You'd be in the entertainment business. So you could probably. Yeah. Your next one then will probably have to be one of the uh, private stock, you yeah. know, 
Paul's yeah. guitar is fourteen, fifteen thousand. So you can get your flamey. Oh, I, I think I gotta get a dragon. Yeah, <laughs> I think so too. Twenty five, twenty five grand probably. Yeah. yeah, easy. Now that is the part of PRS that I can't, I can't get along with. No, me either. I spending that much on a new guitar. It's the same thing with cars, right? I love cars. Um, I think we have that in common. Yeah, both we're both car guys to an extent. But I look at some of the new cars that are out there today. It's like, man, a hundred thousand dollars for a new Audi, whatever. Yeah, dude. The second you drive that car off the lot, it's worth seventy five. Same thing with these these guitars. These like private stock, whatever. You know, you're dropping. 10, 11, 12,000. With a few exceptions, I think the Super Eagles, the John Mayer Super Eagles, I think that was a smart buy. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I know of two people that bought two from Righteous. Actually, I'm sorry. I know one guy. I don't know him personally, but the guys at Righteous uh, filled me in on this. So when the first run of Super Eagles came out, the guy bought it. I think the first run was what, like 10 or 11,000? Uh, uh, I think around 11, yeah. So bought it. Left it in its case, waited for the first run to run out, and sold it for seventeen. Bought one of the second run, uh, and did the same thing. Bought it, waited for the run to run out, sold it for more, and then uh, ended up just buying a third one to keep. <laughs> Outside of that, though, like just buying a private stock, whatever, you know, wood library, whatever it is, the, the thing that they do. Dude, you're never gonna get your money out of that guitar. No. no, no, no. And I think, I think there is a there's a line that has to be drawn over, like, is this an investment or is this something you really want to keep? Um, and that I kind of works into some of the things in the that I think we're gonna talk about today. But you know, I um, I'm not about. I never buy anything unless unless it's a deal. I never buy anything with the intention of selling it. You know, at least yeah. that's how I am. Unless it's like unless I find something for insanely cheap. Um, right. I'm never buying investment pieces. You know? Agreed. I, I never I never do that either. But um I always have at the back of my mind that if the proverbial shit hit the fan, it's nice to know that I've got you know, money tied up in these assets that I could liquidate if I needed to. Right. right? Hopefully that never happens. Yeah. But it, I always, the recording world, uh, the music pr production and sound mixing, everything world is really fascinating in that respect because right now, because of companies like UA, there's a big shift to just completely eliminating hardware. Right. Mic preamps, compressors, EQs, all that kind of stuff in favor of software plugins. Which is great. The convenience of it is great, but a lot of these plugins are crazy expensive, man. And if if this is your thing, I mean, I probably have over the last ten years of buying and stuff, I probably have close to ten thousand dollars in plugins. Yeah, uh, that I've spent and bought over the years. That money is just—you're not going to sell a plugin on Reverb. Yeah. Like, you're not ever going to get that money back. Now, if you earn a living from the uh, from your mixing tools and things like that, then you know obviously it pays for itself. But uh, my air conditioning's kicking on, of course. I, I can't hear anything. <laughs> okay, good. Well, my noise gate's working. But uh, anyways, jumping off of that, first topic here: How many guitars do you need? Jacob Darrow asked on Instagram, "What's the optimal amount of guitars, and what would we pick? Too many, and they just don't get played. Too few, and you don't cover your basis." Uh, I feel like it's a misconception that you need a certain guitar to cover a bass. Could be interesting. I agree. That was we my should point that, out. That last yeah. sentence was my thought. Yeah. So we should point out that um, friend of the show Keith Williams from Five Watt World has a great video on YouTube about how many guitars do you need. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But what do you think? Man, you know, like I said in the that that last, I feel like it's a misconception that you need a certain guitar. Um, I feel like that's really true. I think we get tied up in the idea like, oh, if I'm playing something Hendrixy, I got to have a Strat. Or if I'm playing country, I got to have a Tele. You know, I feel like the most important thing above all is that you find instruments that you connect with and that you feel comfortable on. Because if you have that, then it not everything can be done, but you, your, your world's so much bigger 
when yeah. you can immediately connect with an instrument and say, okay, I know how to, to coax a little bit more snap out of this guitar and get like a little bit more of a, a country or a telly vibe, or I know how to, you know, roll my, my volume back and sweeten up the, the, the neck pickup to make it sound a little bit more stratty or whatever. So to me, I think just have to, to try your best not to be redundant if you don't have to. Yeah, I agree. I, I, have uh, my thought process is sort of so there's three things that I consider pickup combination scale length and body type okay so the combination of those three because I think those are the three biggest contributing factors to a guitar's tone um, and you know wood combination I would put as number four so first and foremost pickup type how many humbucker guitars do I have how many single coil guitars how many P90s um Personally, I like to have one of every sort of major pickup combination. So a double humbucker guitar, a Strat style single coil, a Tele, a P90 guitar, a Filtertron, and a mini humbucker, right? So that's right. six. And you could you could go further than that for sure. But for me, I think for, uh, you know, if you're trying to do session work, you're trying to play gigs and things like that, I think that can cover your bases. Then... Solid bodies, semi-hollow, and hollow. Now, yeah. depending on what you do, I don't necessarily think you really need a hollow body guitar, like a Gretsch, for example. Uh, th that's kind of a niche thing, I think, for a lot of people. Yeah. But semi-hollow and, and solid bodies, for sure, man. Whether it's like a thin line telly or 335 or whatever. Um, and then scale length, Fender scale and Gibson scale, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, for me, what that looks like having a combination of all those three things, it's about seven to nine guitars, I think. Yeah. I, I think so often people think, well, I got to have all these different sounds, but unless it's your job, unless you're earning an, in, like a living playing guitars, like, is it, does, does like the bedroom, the weekend gigging guitarist, do we really need that many options like i don't I, dare i say most people could get like get by with having a solid humbucker guitar and a solid fender style single coil guitar i think that covers oh yes yeah. most, most pro everything. players could get away with that yeah I, in fact i know a lot of, and i did for a long time like going back to the prs thing that i had the prs for the first like two years of of gigging and, and granted i was just like playing bar gigs and church gigs and things like that but that was my one guitar uh, my friend Benjamin Forehand one of the best guitar players I know um, does a lot of like big touring gigs in the the CCM and gospel world he just did a, a live record with Tasha Cobbs over at the Ryman like he's he's a working guy and he's been a working guy for a long time uh, he has one guitar he plays an Elliott Tone Master Huh. And that's his, I mean, he has like a couple others, but they're, I think, hand-me-downs from his dad. But that's, he shows up to every gig, every session, every rehearsal with his one guitar. Hmm. And it's been refretted like three or four times, you know? Right. Um, but what do you really need? You need one. And yeah. that's really it. Yeah. I mean, Guthrie Trap, um, fantastic player. And I think he has a couple tel tellies and a 335. And that's like mainly what he plays. I don't. I don't know if I've ever seen him with any other style of guitar, right? Uh, electric guitar, anyway. Yeah, yeah. So, but then again, you look at guys like, you know, to bring Tim Pierce up again. Tim, I think, is more. <laughs> I, I did a session um, earlier this year before the pandemic hit, and I was packing my stuff up. It was a session here in town, um, and I was going to be. It was three days recording. It was a whole record, like ten songs. So I was going to be in the studio for three days. And I'm packing up all my stuff. And I, I had like five guitars that I was bringing. And I was feeling self-conscious about it. Um, I was like, man, this is, I'm going to be that guy that like shows up with all this gear and gets weird looks or whatever. And I texted Tim. I was like, hey, man, how many do you, guitars do you normally bring to a session? He's like, well, it depends on the session. But um, I think the number was like between 12 and 15. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay, I'm good. But his point was like, especially out in the LA scene, 
if a producer calls for a sound, if a producer says, hey, I need, um, why don't you try your Les Paul on this? Why don't you try your Telly on this? Why don't you try your Gretsch on this? Right. In a high pressure, like fast paced LA session scene, like you got to have that. If the producer calls for it and you don't have it, well, there's a chance that you don't get called again. Right. You yeah. know, for what I'm doing, it's way lower pressure than you just, than that. Uh, you just need to get a, a, a used Variax. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You got, you got all the sounds. They're on the knob. They're right there. You just click, 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 click. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny. I went to a gig in Nashville. This was a few years ago and a guy had one of those things and I was watching him and I was like, like when they were setting up and I was like, ah, oh, look at this freaking guy. <laughs> and, and then he started playing and he was like going through a couple different, they were like running just the beginning of a few tunes. And I was like, huh, shit, <laughs> that sounds pretty good. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Look, man, I've been proven wrong so many times. I've never played the, actually, that's not true. I have played the very acts. Very axe? Very axe. Well, yeah, V A. Yeah, because a very axe is a different yeah. thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, not my thing, but the thing I'm trying to work on, Zach, is not being such a judgmental asshole all the oh. time. <clears throat> Morgan tells me, you're such a mean girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I am. Yeah, me too. I am too. I'm sorry. I, I really am. Like, I don't, yeah, it's, I, I have, it's like, why, why do we have that? And it's not about, really, it's not about anything else in life other than just guitar stuff. I don't, yeah. I don't do that thing in anywhere else other than the guitar world. You, you might think that a little bit about my bicycle. <laughs> no, I don't actually. Okay, good, good. I don't. Um, because your bike, I think is actually perfect for you. It's yes. a flat bar, hybrid, like road sort of cruiser kind of thing. Great. Yep. I actually don't have that with bikes. Okay. Well, fine. Um, because I'm a, I'm not, it's funny in the cycling world, it is very much like the guitar world where you have, like depending on what kind of bike brand you ride or what style of bike you ride, there's like a stereotype associated with that. Like Cervelos are known for being dentist bikes and all that kind of stuff. Like, but I'm not that into it. It's yeah. A dentist bike. <laughs> yeah. It's it's like a running thing in the cycling world. I know we have a few cyclists that listen to the show. You guys can comment down below. But um yeah, I'm working on not being such a such a dick. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've definitely I've gotten better. I've definitely gotten better. I just um I just usually say the first thing that comes to my head and it's usually something rude, you know. Yeah. So Yeah. I, occasionally, I have put it into a video, you know, <laughs> the whole Gibson rant was me being a, a you know, well, it was, it's, it was true. I, I still stand by everything I said in that video. Right. Yeah. Um, I do feel bad about like putting Jim DeCola in the video and kind of calling him out because he didn't, <laughs> I learned later that I don't think he had any say in him being in the video. I think it was kind of his, they forced his hand to like mm -hmm. go and talk about how great that dip switch less Paul was and so I feel I feel a little bad about that but <laughs> you know I yeah. think we need a little bit more honesty in the guitar well it, I mean in everything in our lives but um I feel like some of the people in the guitar community are very just like like everything's great everything's good it's not you know and mm. and that's okay like it's okay yeah. to say hey this is really stupid you know yeah. and that's I think it's fair you know as, as long as yeah. you're not being just a super judgmental jerk to the, the people that make it or whatever, you know, it's like, like you can mess up and make a bad product and that's, it's normal, you know? Yeah, totally. I mean, big companies can do it. Small companies can do it. Um, I look at like boss, for example, arguably one of the greatest guitar companies, guitar brands out there. Uh, last year they made those Waza craft headphones. Oh, yeah. I think, I think those are dumb. And I think for $400 to spend $400 on, on Bluetooth headphones that you can't use to do anything, but just to listen to your guitar while you play it, it's just, it's just dumb. I, that's, that's so funny that you said that I did an AMA this morning and someone asked like, how would you like play guitar on the couch? And I had no idea that they were that expensive. And I said, yeah, you dude. just get those Waza like Katana no. headphones. I didn't realize. Oh man. 
No, they they <laughs> sent them to me last year to check out uh, late last year, and I I had I was gonna do a video, and I had it like perfectly planned because Tilly and I we flew to on New Year's Eve we flew to Paris. Because uh, at the time, I thought they were, like, really cool. Like, oh, man, this is cool. It's like, you know, your Bluetooth amp, and then you can use them to, like, record yourself and, like, practice and all this stuff. So I was like, here's what I'll do. I'll take them. I'll take them and just a guitar on this trip. We were going to be in – we were going out there for a wedding. Right, um, right, right. But we, we took a vacation, and so we were there. And I was like, cool, I'll just take these and a guitar – and then I'll make a video of like, hey, this is like the perfect travel setup or like if you're trying to, you know. And then I got there and started using them and I was like, well, wait a second. You can't, you can't record on them. So there, A, there was no way for me to even make my video because like mm. you couldn't hear the sounds that I was playing. Um, Just put them, then, do like this and put them over the microphone. <laughs> literally, that's what I thought about doing is like have to sit them like on a desk and then put my zoom next to the thing and then it was like okay well 400 bucks like what else would i buy like could i actually recommend if somebody if somebody texted me and was like hey man think about spending 400 dollars on these headphones what would i say and i i was like no go go buy a a used hx stomp or used iridium and then just plug your headphones into it or it's, or or get one of those like apps for your phone, yeah. like to practice yeah. with and just use earbuds. Exactly. And so I just didn't, I just didn't make the video. I was like, I can't, I can't recommend these. <laughs> and then right. I told, uh, it was actually Sweetwater that had sent them out to do a video with. And I, I told Sweetwater, I was like, Hey, you guys want these back? I'll, um, <laughs> cause I'm not going to use them. Uh, and I, 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 no, I still have them somewhere. <laughs> So. Ah man, <clears throat> I uh, I don't know. Like, what do you think is the best way to practice and and be respectful of the other people in your household? Um, I actually like playing unplugged. Me a too. Lot. Yeah, I I think that's a good way to practice. Um, not all the time, but I think it is a really good way to practice because it can it can kind of eliminate the sort of um, element of messing with your amps, your pedals, your gear, and it just, it's just you and the guitar. Yeah. Yeah. I think it makes you focus on different things of uh, different parts of your playing. So that's what I would do. Practice unplugged. If you, if you had to have the amp thing, there's a lot of stuff out there now. The app idea is really good. I think the Strymon Iridium is great. I think the yeah. HX Stomp is really great that i think uh if you want to use your tube amp get you know something like the captor x or an aux there's so many options out there now for like the headphone guitar amp thing i think the most important thing about finding time to practice is that it's easy um because the that little uh the little boss uh, mini amp that i have the one we played the clon through yeah, yeah, the battery powered thing. It uh, actually sounds good. The, the batteries are still going. I've only put four double A's in it, and it's for like two years. But um, it sounds the the why I like that thing is it has a headphone out, which is cool. But it's like a hundred something dollars, mm -hmm. and you can play like just plug up in the couch, just set it by you. It has a delay, it has a couple different gain sounds, and it's just like it sounds fine. Like, yeah. I, I don't think like when you practice that you need to have like a huge pedal board and every single no. sound, you just need to practice. <laughs> yeah. You need something that's just going to get you in the ballpark and get you playing. Um, and you're right. Having the least, uh, the lowest barrier to entry possible, I think is really important. Yeah. Um, because like I, I rarely ever practice in here because unless I'm like already working on a video or something and I've already got my stuff set up because you've got to come down, you got to turn the computer on, turn your speakers on, you know, turn on an amp, get stuff patched into the patch bay, pull up console. Like there's a bunch of steps that you have to do to get a sound pulled up. Yeah. And so I don't really ever practice in here. I'll just go grab a guitar and sit on the couch and like practice that way. Yeah. I, I think for me too, like, I mean, now is different, but 
my, and this might be kind of the case for you because that's where you work. And sometimes trying to play or practice where you work, it's, it, it, it puts you in a weird mental space, at least yeah. for me. Like I couldn't, I just feel like I'm always in this room. And when I'm, when I have my guitar in my lap, I just want to not have to stress or think about like my job. Yeah. But that, but uh, that's yeah. not, that's not most people. So, well, that's true. Yeah. It's kind of sort of unique to us, I well, guess. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny. Like I, I think about that a lot, you know, because for the most part, the people that I interact with and probably the same with you are people in this world and this is how they make a living. But the majority of people that play guitar are just, just people. And that's their hobby or their, the thing they do for fun. It's like not any source of income. It's just their way of having a good time. And in a way I'm kind of jealous of that, you know? Yeah. But I think that's why it's important to have something outside of guitar that you do. That is your version of that. Yes. Um, you know, for, for us, it's the cycling thing where it's like, I'm not, I'm, I'm a beginner at it. I'm not that good at it. What? You know, (laughs) compared to like, like real cyclists and people that are really into it. Hell compared to Josh Scott, JHS, like a short ride for that dude is like 52 miles. Oh yeah. I, I, the last time I I saw, I mean, he posted all the time, but the last story I saw where he posted how far he went was like 47 miles. I was like, good God. Yeah. And for him, he's like, yeah, short recovery ride today. I'm having some knee pain. I'm like, dude, 40 miles for me is like a big day. That's like a big day on the bike. I don't drive that far in a day in my car. You know? (laughs) Well, to be fair, he did just ride across the state of Missouri like a couple weeks ago. He did. He just rode the the entire state like he and a couple other guys on gravel the whole way. Crazy. So, yeah. So compared to those guys, I'm like a total just noob beginner go out and ride a few days a week kind of thing. But I think it's cool. It's, It's cool to have that thing that's like completely different than and I think this is true for um well yeah probably a lot of people that listen to this podcast like actually I'd be interested to know in the comments what is guitar to you is it your hobby is it something that you do to like escape from work and enjoy and like learn about and have fun with is it something that's more serious more professional somewhere in between like I actually want to know yeah yeah that that that's that that's an interesting thing and I um like to that end, I also like to know what people do to kind of, if they are in the guitar world, like what do you do to, to relieve the stress or find inspiration? Cause for me, like I try to just completely not touch it, you know, watch a movie, play a video game, like dive into something and not touch guitar for days. And then when I yeah. come back to it, I feel like, all right, let's, let's, let's come up with something cool, you know? Yeah, totally agree. I'm the same way. Yeah. So we got uh, we got another topic here. Sure. We actually got a t- couple topics. I'm trying to pick. Yeah. let pick one that I like. Uh, don't forget, you guys can email us at um, dippedintone at gmail.com. Yes. Right? That is that the email address. Dippedintone at gmail.com. I've refrained from putting it, putting it in the description for fear of getting overloaded with the spam emails. <laughs> uh, uh. Because I don't know if you saw, but yesterday... Uh, my phone number got attached to a spoof. Uh, so like a a robot call company was using my telephone number to call people and scam them. And they called me back. So since yesterday morning, I've gotten over 50 phone calls uh, and a bunch of text messages, many of them very ugly. So <laughs> I, I, I don't believe in hell, uh, but... If there is a hell, I like to think that there's a special place in hell reserved for robocall companies, people that that start a business and think, here's what I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to bother people right. for money. Yeah. Yeah. It, <sighs> incredibly annoying. But that's why I haven't put the, the email in the description because I feel like it's going to immediately be picked up and we're just going to see nothing but Probably a good idea. stupid. Uh, so anyway, dippedintone at gmail.com. You can email us. <laughs> That took a weird turn. Um, so let's see here. Speaking of like the, so Chris Evans asked things we wish we knew when we started out playing um, slash starting a professional life in the industry. I think it's a good transition to make. Sure. We we're kind of just talking about that. What do you, what do you wish you knew when you uh, start, 
started out? Well, I think when I started playing guitar, it would be a little bit, well, it would be like learn more theory and be diligent about the education side of guitar because I still don't. I mean, I know the basics of music theory, um, but I don't, I don't know that much. Mm. But I think the thing that, that I know, like the things I, I, the things I wish I knew more, like would be more related to my professional side of things. Like I wish, um, starting out professionally in this industry, in, in the pedal industry anyway, like hire people to do things that are stupid for you to do yourself and take more time for yourself. But remember to take breaks. Cause even now I can't, like I just can't, I mean, we've talked about it, but I think being able to invest in yourself in, in all things you do is really important because I feel like so often we think I can do all this myself and chances are you can't. So you need to like set money back and work really hard so you can invest the time, money and energy into accomplishing the goals you have for yourself, like in a much more professional and reasonable way, I think. Yeah. That's really good advice. Yeah. Um, when I, when I started out, I, I wish I would have gotten a guitar teacher early on. I, when I started playing, nobody in my family plays or does any kind of musical stuff or anything. So we, I, I've had to figure kind of everything out on my own. This is before YouTube. Um, and for years, for four or five years starting out, I was totally self-taught and didn't know any better. And my, my parents and everyone around me that knew I played guitar thought that was like cool. They thought that was like, right. oh, he, he teaches himself. He doesn't need guitar lessons. He like, he's learning by himself. That's so crazy. And looking back, it was really, those formative years I feel were wasted. It, had I had like a really great teacher, someone that not, not only could have just taught me about guitar and, and playing, but someone that could have turned me on to music. I wish I had been turned on to jazz earlier on, like yeah. as a young teenager. Um, I wish I'd been turned on to a lot of uh, blues and, and rock stuff that I didn't find until later in life. And, you know, that that would have really, really helped me out. Just someone that could have given me sort of a roadmap to follow. Right. Yeah. Um, rather than just trying to kind of hack it myself. So, yeah. yeah, if I could go back, that's the biggest thing I would change. That That's uh, my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke is... I tried to teach myself how to play guitar, but I didn't know how to play guitar. So I was a terrible teacher. Yeah. And like, that's very true. I think so often we think I can figure this out and I'm guilty of that all the time, especially with um, design and, and trying to come up with circuits and sounds. But like, I think one thing that's really important and this relates to playing and everything is surround yourself with people who are way better than you. Because I think a lot of times we look at that and we think, oh, you know, it makes you scared or timid, but really it just educates you. And and, yeah. and then you have access to, you know, these people who can guide your hand in so many more efficient ways. Efficiency in life is so important. Well, the other thing I've learned too about that is it's there's two parts to that. You have to, yeah, surround yourself with people that are better than you, but you also have to have the mental posture of being open and willing to learn from those people. Yeah. Yeah. Because too often we can be in those situations where you're like the worst person in the room or the least qualified person in the room and you're threatened by that. Yeah. And it does you no good because you're, you're constantly afraid or you're, you're self-conscious or you're threatened by other people and you're not open and willing to learn from them. Um, that's something to be aware of. It's not just being surrounded by people that are better than you. It's it's being willing to learn from those people. Yeah, and and don't be afraid to ask questions. Um, like, I, dude, I, I'm so easily intimidated, especially with guitar playing, and like it it it's very nerve wracking to be in a room with someone who is like light years better than you, but I haven't found anyone that looked at me thinking, 
like this guy doesn't have any clue what's going on. They're all, they've always been so encouraging and supportive. And even when like, <laughs> when I went and did those videos with Wildwood, uh, with Greg Cock, like he was jamming on stuff. And he's like, you know, it's just on the four and then this. And I'm like, okay, if the root note is, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, he had to tell me the chords and I felt like such an idiot, but like, I don't do that, you yeah. know? So he was totally cool, but in the in the moment, I just felt so deflated and defeated. But ultimately, I'm better for it. So yeah, yeah. Well, and <laughs> uh, if anyone's ever been in the room with Greg Cock, he it, it's it's hard to be to find a better guitar player to be in the room with. You know, he's uh, he's a bad man, man, he's a bad bad man, and he's 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 large. He's a large man. <laughs> he's a large he's, man. He's six seven or six eight he's a tall dude yeah (laughs) i met him at nam at uh, at the two rock thing yeah yeah you were there Uh uh-huh and uh i'm i'm six two six three and i don't look up at very many people and yeah i was like oh wow you're uh (laughs) you're giant yeah (laughs) no wonder telly's look so small on you in those videos that's why his signature telly is slightly larger yeah because like his reverend gristle master I don't, is that Gristle King or something like that? Well, the Gristle King's the pedal. He's got all sorts of gristly things. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a bigger telly body. It's but even then, it looks like a small guitar. <laughs> yeah, if anybody doesn't know what we're talking about, go look at any of those Wildwood videos with Greg Cock playing like a Strat, and it looks like a toy. Oh him. yeah, or or any of those old Fender like um, clinic performances he did. Yep. Because like sitting down, like he still looks big, but when he stands up, you're just like, holy God, like how big is this guy? <laughs> oh man. man. Yeah, I think that's uh I think that's pretty good advice. I'm I'm trying to in in my professional life now, I'm trying to gauge at what point do I need to hire someone to come on and help me. Yeah. Um Tilly does a lot and and helps a lot with uh, especially like the more administrative stuff like emails and and email campaigns and and like doing that kind of stuff stuff that helps generate the income um but I, you know i i have projects i want to do like I, i'm about to start working on my second video course and that is i learned from the first video course basically like running two youtube channels at one time like making twice the amount of videos it's exhausting yeah uh, but it needs to be done and so I'm trying to just consider, like, at what point do I hire someone to come in a few days a week? I mean, it's tough right now because of COVID, but um, I see it at Rick, Rick's place all the time. Like, at his studio, he's got his assistant, Billy, and and Rick is able to get so much more done in a day just having Billy around to do a lot of, like, hey, um, my Instagram post I just played, I need you to transcribe that and put it in a PDF for the Beato Club, or, hey... I need you to set up this live stream for me. We're going to go live at 2.30 and do like right. all that kind of stuff that I'm having to do on a daily basis myself. At what point does it make more sense to have somebody come in and do that? And I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm I'm in the same boat because I, I need like I need all that help because Morgan helped me as much as she could. And then the baby, you know, came and you can't when they start moving, you can't you can't, you don't have any other time, you know, it's all yeah. focused on them. So it is really strange right now because a lot of the people I talk to, they say they just, just hire somebody. And I'm like, you realize there's still like this pandemic and yeah. the thought of bringing a stranger or even someone I know and, and trust into the house is very nerve wracking because, you know, I don't want to get sick because if I get sick, then everything stops. Right. So you know, it's it's a scary prospect, but it's something that like growing pains really stress me out. Like taking things to the next level, because like the monetary part of it, you know, it can it can stink to have to start paying somebody, or you know, you have to like incorporate and start like a you know a, a corporation, a business. You know, is yeah. is really stressful too. But it's an evolution that so many of us probably should have already taken, yeah, and haven't. So, yeah. Oh yeah. I know I'm doing the LLC thing right now. Um, and then trying to transfer all that over and like, it, it's, it's a nightmare, but it is true. Like to do the things that I want to do in the future, it, you got to have it. And so, you know, 
And, and the other thing too, with our situation, my entire family lives here. It's yeah. like me and my wife, my mom and dad, my sister, like everyone lives in the house. And so to have a person who I might know, but as a stranger to them come over two or three days a week, whatever it is, that's a, that's a big ask. So I think yeah. for me, that'll be something that I feel more comfortable doing once I have our own place, you sure. know, cause we're trying to have a, I'm trying to have a, a house with a studio that's like separate from the house. Either it's like isolated in a basement or it's a separate like standalone building on the property. You know, to me, if you can do that and keep your workspace and living space separate, then it makes a lot more sense. But yeah, absolutely. Well, I think uh, we covered a lot of stuff today. We sure did. <laughs> that's, uh, that's about it. So yeah. Yeah. Thanks everyone for watching. If you made it to the end of the episode, you are a, uh, you're a hero. I think you get a gold guitar sticker. <laughs> uh, don't forget to check out the discord server. Um, just Brett Shull on discord. It'll be linked down below and you can join up there, jump in the, uh, dipped in tone, um, discord. There's also the other one for my podcast, the backstage journal podcast. Um, Zach is a mod over there. <laughs> I didn't know that. Like someone made me a moderator and I kept getting all these. Like, I did. <laughs> yeah, I kept I did getting that. all these notifications. I'm like, what happened? Like I was just like, <laughs> I just came out here to like look at guitar pictures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can, you can change those no, notifications. Uh, but yeah, we'll, we'll be doing that for the patrons probably next week. You guys can join in the voice chat while we're, we're actually recording. So that might be fun. Sure. It might be, might be, a sh <laughs> might, yeah, it might be a total shit show. So we'll, <laughs> we'll figure it out. Um, and yeah, don't forget to subscribe if you haven't done so already. And actually, for those of you listening on iTunes um, or on uh, Spotify, give us a good rating. It helps new people find the show. You know, rate us. You can write a little review down there, and it helps place us uh, higher up on the list. Yep. So we can get up one step closer to world domination. That's it. That's what we're after. All right, everyone. We'll see you next week. See you guys.